Real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about the Build Something Weekly newsletter. It is weekly, it is free, and you will get tips, tricks, and tools delivered directly to your mailbox. I will recap the current week's episode and all of the takeaways. I'll give you a top story, content I wrote, and then some recommendation that I've been using that I think you should check out. So it is free. It is weekly. It's over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Go ahead and sign up over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 212 of How I Built It. Our sponsors for this episode are Text Expander, Restrict Content Pro, and MindSize. You'll be hearing about those fantastic companies later on in the episode. Right now, I want to introduce our guest. His name is Mangit Ng. He is the CEO and founder of Anvil, and uh, he reached out and wanted to talk about automation and gave what I think was one of the best responses to like my canned kind of pre-screen questions, uh, specifically... Uh, Mangit, before I let you talk, uh, you mentioned like digitizing mortgage papers. And I bought a house a little over a year ago. And I just remember the insane back and forth with all the PDFs and stuff like that. So I'm excited to dive into that. Um, but before we do, I do want to welcome Mangit Ng from Anvil. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Joe, for uh, having me on the show. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Now, uh, your company... Anvil is essentially a, uh, I, I don't want to just call it like a digitizing service, right? But you, uh, you kind of, but that's kind of what you do, right? You take paper processes and then you turn them into digital processes. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very good high level description of what we do. Uh, one of the things that we noticed and you alluded to this, which is with mortgages, is that the way information is gathered today, especially for kind of very important life events or very important services, is pretty broken. It's not digital first. It's not remote first. And that's what Anvil aims to solve, is to make it more modern and more digital first. Yeah. And and I mean, so I've, I mean, I've been in technology since I was like 12. Um, like I fixed people's computers and then like made mix CDs and stuff like that. So the fact that like anything is not digital like kills me. Um, but this this particular thing I feel has been accelerated um, a little bit more since let's say March of 2020 or February of 2020. Um, but uh, you got you guys have been around long before that. Yeah, that's correct. We were around um, slightly before that. We started in 2018. Um, there were. Honestly, a lot of ideas that my co-founder and I explored before finally settling on this idea. But we we had set out thinking we want to we want to create something together, and then we kind of you know surveyed the market to try to figure out what was the the right thing to build. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, so you and your partner, what's what are your backgrounds? Were uh, were you in tech before this, or were you in business before this? Yeah, both of us have been in tech for the majority of our career. Ben Ogle, my co-founder, he is a CTO. Uh, I also have a technical background, but he's much more technical than I am. So he he's the CTO. I'm the CEO. 
Um, and we both have been working in startups and also high growth companies for you know the past decade, decade and a half. Uh, I previously worked at Dropbox and Flexport, and Ben had uh, gone through YC, uh, which and then his company was acquired by GitHub, and he also worked at AdRule. So we're really pretty steeped in the kind of technology industry here in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, most of our experience or all of our experience has been in technology. Awesome. And uh, so you mentioned that you are in San Francisco. In the members only episode, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, the effects of kind of the pandemic on the tech industry in San Francisco. That's very interesting to me. So uh, if you are a member, you'll catch that part of the conversation over. If you're not, you can sign up over at buildsomething.club. And we didn't talk about this beforehand. So uh, obviously, you know, if if there are things you don't want to say, you know, it's... uh, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything like that, but I'm just generally interested in, in that sort of thing. And um, the greater move to remote work, which uh, I suspect um, Anvil uh, helps a lot with, right? So um, mm-hmm. the first kind of question around this is uh, you mentioned that you and uh, Ben, Ben, right? Yeah. That's correct. Um, yep. I like just had a moment where I forgot <laughs> um, uh, where you and Ben. He's got the hard name, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, between the two of us, <laughs> um, you, uh, you and Ben wanted to start a company together uh, and looked at a few ideas. So, what what was the research process like, and what made you settle on um, on Anvil? Yeah. Um, so like many technologists, many startup people, we both had a lot of ideas. Uh, and we started by just writing them down and sharing them. Um, ben and I actually met at the gym of all places. We're, we rock climbed together. Wow. And so if, if anybody's a rock climber, you know there's a lot of downtime in between routes. And so there's a lot of conversation happening. It's very social in that sense. And so that was where a lot of our discussion happened. Um, you know, once we both were kind of in a position to look for something new, kind of what we wanted to do next, we started really digging into ideas. And the first thing we did was take our ideas and go out and ask people questions, ask them if they thought it was useful, if they would pay for it. Um, and the idea for Anvil is was really kind of a culmination, culmination of a lot of things. Ben had been working on this online web form for lead gathering. Um, It's this little tool that he created for, I believe, WordPress and and stuff like that. And I was actually in the process of buying a house uh, up in Seattle. uh, And my my wife and I, we do investment properties. And this was not my first time getting a mortgage, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it's like the third time around. You're like, why is this so broken? So like you finally, the pain settles in, you know, you're like, Oh man, this is so terrible. I'm sending my social security number and account numbers over email. And I've tried to get them to use my Dropbox link or some other thing. And they just won't bend. Um, and I want a good rate. So I'm kind of in this impasse where, okay, well, I guess I will sacrifice my beliefs around security and what I know is good security and just try to get this done because it's so painful. Um, so that was kind of how we got to the idea. Um, but we really came at it from a consumer perspective. We were like, as a consumer, this is really painful. And when we went to go fundraise, we had a very um, insightful question from our one of our current investors at Menlo. 
she asked us, how do you make this big if form filling is so episodic? You know, episodic for people that are filling out these forms. I don't fill out forms every day. Mm-hmm. But when I do, it's for important things. Um, and one thing that we found in discussions with people is that the experience for the user, the consumer, is episodic. But at every single institution that issues these forms to be filled out, there's a poor person sitting there gathering documents and then reading those documents, then typing it into Salesforce and then like typing it into their banking system. And it's just a painful experience for them. And the bottleneck is really this person having to do all of this manual tedious work. And so that's when we thought, hey, we have an idea here. We think it's pretty good. We think there's an opportunity and people will pay for it. This episode is brought to you by Restrict Content Pro. If you need a fast, easy way to set up a membership site for yourself or your clients, look no further than the Restrict Content Pro WordPress plugin. Easily create premium content for members using your favorite payment gateway, manage members, send member-only emails, and more. You can create any number of subscription packages, including free levels and free trials. But that's not all. Their extensive add-ons library allows you to do even more, like drip out content, connect with any number of CRMs and newsletter tools, including ConvertKit and MailChimp, and integrate with other WordPress plugins like BBPress. Since the Build Something Club rolled out earlier this year, you can bet it's using Restrict Content Pro, and I have used all of the things mentioned here in this ad read. I have created free levels. I've created coupons. Uh, I use ConvertKit and I'm using it with BBPress for the forums. I'm a big fan of the team and I know they do fantastic work. The plugin has worked extremely well for me and I was able to get memberships up and running very quickly. Right now, they are offering a rare discount for How I Built It listeners only. 20% off your purchase when you use RCP How I Built It at checkout. That's RCP How I Built It, all one word. If you want to learn more about Restrict Content Pro and start making money with your own membership site, head on over to howibuilt.it slash RCP. That's howibuilt.it slash RCP. Thanks to Restrict Content Pro for supporting the show. And now let's get back to it. It's funny that you mentioned the uh, the fundraising part because I've always, I, not that I um, have ever had an idea that I felt I need to go fundraise, but um, I've always like, I've always wondered if I would look for VC funding, but this, mm-hmm. this uh, interaction made your, made your business better, right? I think, I think that uh, a lot of people probably don't realize that you have an investor and they kind of become a partner who are literally invested in the success of the business. <laughs> yeah. Also, you know, San Francisco is an ex- expensive place to live. So having some funding <laughs> is nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's different. I'm out on the, on the East coast. My wife is gainfully employed as a nurse and we do have two kids and things are going well, but I've, I've never, I've never felt like, man, I need to get like a lot of money really fast to make sure I survive. Um, so, uh, so this, so this is, um, interesting. You, you, Looked at a few ideas, but it was a convergence of Ben working on something, you going through the pain of a mortgage. And I totally get where you're coming from with the security stuff. Like anytime I have to send sensitive information, I always password protect it. And then I have to like give 
the person I'm sending a clue without putting the password in the email. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah. it's a weird dance. It, it, it's, it's like all of those games you play as a kindergartner where you, you try to teach deductive reasoning, right? And, and that's yeah. how you got to transfer this information to, to the other party. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, who knew? <laughs> yeah. And then the other party's probably like, this guy's such a pain in the neck. Like all my other, I asked one of my contractors for a, 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 a W9 form or whatever. And he just mm-hmm. sent it to me, his social security number at all, like in the email. And I, I didn't, I don't want to lecture people who were, do, who were doing me favors, but don't, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. That is not, that is not proper security etiquette. Yeah. Um, so, so let's get to the, the title question before we kind of get into, uh, the, if, if I want to start digitizing or automating processes, um, how did you build Anvil? Like, what did it look like at first? Did people like send you documents and you scan them or whatever, or, or were you building a better process? Yeah. Uh, one of the key insights we had for Anvil is that the processes that exist today are not necessarily bad. I think people like to talk about the bureaucracy and how bad the process is and how terrible it is. But the processes were established um, to oftentimes guard against something, right? Guard against data errors, guard against uh, having random data that you then have to have a person reconcile. Um, and so I would say the the process itself, oftentimes for paperwork, is not necessarily bad. There's always room for improvement. I think the big challenge with this is really the underlying technology that is paper, that is PDFs, is just antiquated. And there's better ways, there's better technology today. And how do you take that process and adapt it to use the new technology? So that was one of our key insights. Um, when when we built Anvil, we were very keen on making it extremely easy for somebody to take their existing paperwork process, how they do things today, the steps that they have today. And oftentimes they don't even have control over that. You know, just think government forms, a small business like yourself, you can't tell the government, I'm not filling out a W-9. Right. No, no, no. You have to fill out my version of a W-9, right? Like, no. <laughs> so a lot of times there's, there, there's no control over it. So what Anvil does is we make it extremely easy for you to take your existing process and replicate it online in a sense. Um, but instead of sending around PDFs and paper forms, you're sending out modern web forms. You know, modern modern forms with, you know, Google location services built in, validation built in, all of the things that paper is bad at built into that web form. And once you've done that, you now have the benefit of capturing the data digitally. It's, it's, you can go into a database, but we can also generate that PDF for you. And then we put the information on the PDF. And then if you need signatures, we can request signatures immediately. And all of this can happen remotely. So with Anvil, what we really focused on was what are the building blocks? Um, if we're going back to first principles, what are the pieces that we can build that can then be reassembled to accommodate any existing paperwork process? Um, and that's really how we thought about going about building Anvil. It's very, it's very object-oriented programming type thinking, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's super cool. So... Um, did you have a maybe a target niche that you wanted to start with for uh, proof of concept stuff, or did you 
did you build it out generally enough that anybody could take advantage right from the start? Mm -hmm. Maybe those are two different questions. Uh, did you have a use case at first, like the ideal customer avatar? Um, I wouldn't say we had an ideal customer or we even defined an ideal customer. Um, we did look for use cases. Uh, our, our first use case that we built Anvil for was uh, a, there was a, shared uh, co-working space company here in San Francisco. And they had a bunch of forms that needed to be filled out when somebody signed a lease. So we helped them digitize that process. But when we were building Anvil to then digitize this process, we were very, very explicit about where we will stop building. And, you know, you're going to have to figure it out from there. And so we were very explicit that we're only focused on the paperwork aspect of it. We're very focused on the information you're gathering and where it needs to go on the PDF and then where it needs to go afterwards. But we're not building an integration into your, you know, building rental management mm -hmm. software. Mm -hmm. We're not building an integration into your facilities management software. Like that's on you. You know, here's an API. Here's the data. Here's what you need if you really wanted to do that. Um, so we built it in a horizontal manner. But we use real-world use cases to kind of in, infer what needed to be built. And, and that was actually probably, probably one of the best things we did. Um, we, we then took that product that we built and we took it to um, the wealth management space. And we're like, yeah, we can do this for you. You have a ton of forms. We can, we can totally manage this for you. And we realized that in the wealth management space, now we had another use case and it was just so much more complex than what we were doing. And how do we, again, boil down those complexities into building blocks that can be reused for other workflows? So um, this iterative process of having use cases, but also keeping in mind that we're building for a broader horizontal play. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And so um, you mentioned the shared co-working space in San Francisco first. I think that's uh, probably a, a a good spot, right? Because they uh, co working is still kind of a modern phenomenon to a lot of people, um, yep. and so they're probably more like minded in that, right? They're like, yeah, of course we got to digitize. Uh, and then you moved into the wealth management space. Did you find this to be a hard sell? Uh, was it like, like yeah? Did you find this to be a hard sell? I think. With any incumbent industry, it's always a little bit of an uphill battle to help them understand um, what we're trying to do. And for us, and honestly, for us to understand what they're trying to do, mm -hmm. right? I think um, there's a miscommunication. We were fortunate that the company that we worked with, uh, First Ascent Asset Management, they're out in Denver. They are a very technology-forward company. Their entire hypothesis was hey, we can provide lower cost um, managed asset management by automating a lot of the mundane and tedious tasks that we would typically have an entire operations team doing. And so they, that was their, their hypotheses when they started the company. And um, Anvil just slotted nicely into that hypothesis, which made kind of the sale a lot, a lot easier for us. Um, and, and it's nice to find those early adopters early on. But I do think that, you know, we... We've been selling into various legacy industries, um, established industries, and there's a level of learning that has to happen where we don't understand their language. We don't understand what they're asking for, and they don't understand what we do. And so there, there's, 
there's a level, uh, some level of learning that we have to do, but there's also some level of education that we're trying to do and finding the right early adopter partners in, in each of those industries is, is, is the hard part. Yeah. I, so I think that you, you capture that perfectly. Like you, I think, I feel like you really understood why I was asking the question uh, because <laughs> it, it is a, from a technology standpoint, as the developer, especially I'm, I, I have been a developer for a long time and I'm just like, the first like software product I tried to sell was job boards. And I went to my alma mater and I'm like, obviously you want these job boards. They're better than the job boards you have. And they're like, we don't want your job boards. And I'm like, I don't understand. This is better. Right. But I didn't understand the problems they were trying to solve. I didn't understand how integrated the system was into their system. And I didn't, I was like 22. So like I was a dumb mm-hmm. kid. Uh, I didn't, <laughs> sorry if you're like 22. Um, <laughs> uh, I suspect you're not. Um, sorry if any of the listeners are 22, I guess. Uh, I just didn't take the time to try to understand the problem they were solving. And I tried to throw a solution at them based on the problem I perceived. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that actually is a very, I've never actually heard it articulated like that. That is a a very important point to, to Anvil in a lot of ways, you know, from the beginning where we felt a pain with filling out forms and we thought it could be better, but then we realized the real pain point is actually on the receiving end of those forms, right? Um, To understanding legacy incumbent industries or established industries, let's say, um, that do have the purchasing power to do these things. and, and then also, I think maybe maybe this is a little bit of a segue, but I think that in our experience selling our software, we've also expanded our offerings to to APIs that are more technology focused. Um, that is actually a big push for us this year is to enable developers who don't really need the education on why this is good. Uh, they just need a solution that can be plugged into their existing stack. Um, that's something we're pushing pretty hard on as well. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can save time by converting any text you type into keyboard shortcuts called snippets. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. With Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, text expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take back your time and increase your productivity in the new year. And Let me just say that Snippets is not all it does. With advanced Snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and much more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, Hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used Snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my keyboard and convert it to plain text, so I'm no longer fighting formatting. Plus, if you have employees or contractors, you can use Text Expander to manage and share snippets with them so you all get it right every time. 
I've recently started sharing text expander snippets with my virtual assistant. This year, How I Built It is focusing on being productive while working from home. Text Expander is the perfect tool for that. Plus, they're providing resources and blog posts to help you make the most of their tool and be productive. Text Expander is available on Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now is the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. I was actually uh, about to ask you about the API because that's always, <laughs> whenever I evaluate a tool I'm going to use, uh, I think, does it have Zapier integration, right? That's like kind of the mm-hmm. first thing I think about. Uh, and if you have an API, right, you can do that. You can build a webhook or whatever. Um, like you can send that data to Zapier in some way. And so the higher level question, right, is, is there a way for me to build something to talk to this other tool? Uh, and it's, it's cool that you built the, the API because now I suspect people can take what they put into Anvil and then send it to their CRM or Google mm-hmm. Sheets if they're doing that, or Airtable <laughs> or whatever, um, or probably like some very industry-specific system that, take, that, that eats data in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the API was really born out of a pull from our friends in, in, in the Bay Area. You know, we, we are pretty, and we have a lot of friends that are in technology companies that work at technology companies that have started technology companies. And they were coming to us asking, hey, we have this PDF that we have to fill out. You know, we are a HR software company and we want to make the HR experience better, but why do I have to deal with this PDF? Can you just deal deal with it for me? Um, and that's where we started thinking about the API. And as time has progressed, you know, one of the things that we are launching is is the these three APIs that we've created around PDFs, and it's very much kind of extracted from the workflow. Um, it, but it is it is certainly like it's like the Lego pieces within the workflow. Mm-hmm. How do we create APIs into individual Lego pieces as opposed to the entire workflow? So we have a PDF generation API where you can generate PDFs based on data that you have. You know, um, Invoice is a great example of that. We have the PDF filling API, which is honestly something that we, we find not very common online. It's where, where you have a template PDF and you want to put data into blanks. Like that's not something that's very common. Um, and then now we, actually, we also have a e-signature API that allows people to really quickly integrate e-signatures into their product. Um, and as part of the e-signature API request, you can say, I need this PDF generated. I need this PDF filled out. I need them all to be, you know, kind of collated into a packet and then sent out for signature. Um, <clears throat> so that's like the PDF side of the APIs that we've created. Um, and then you alluded to the workflow APIs, which is really actually uh pretty exciting to us. Um, the workflow APIs, we recently worked with Sunrise Banks for the PPP loan, um, both back in April and now for the new version of PPP. And they're a very sophisticated bank. They, we, we help them build the workflow to fill out the SBA paperwork. 
But then they, you know, listen for webhooks from us. We make a webhook request when somebody finishes the application. They ingest the data. They, you know, they then, I don't know what banks do. They evaluate it to see if it's fraudulent. I don't know. They underwrite it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then when they approve it, they then click a button and it sends another packet of data that they've kind of, you know, remixed a little bit and to Anvil and says, hey, can you generate the lender form for us? And we generate the lender form for them. So it, it's a very tight integration where not only are they getting the signed completed documents, but also the data that sits on top of that without having to use OCR or parse it out or use these like um, not 100% accurate ways of extracting that information. Yeah, that's really fantastic. And as I mean, as somebody who went for the PPP loan the first time around, um, it was like a nerve wracking experience. Like, am I filling this out right? Am I, do I have all the right information? I actually did it twice because like, I feel like the first people like ghosted me. So then I contacted yeah. my bank and uh, it was very, a very weird process. Yeah, I, I think the this PPP program really exposed a lot of the challenges that, that we, um, for Anvil and for us to kind of figure out and go along with it. I think we did a really good job. Uh, but, you know, things like the rules were just changing constantly. Mm-hmm. The SBA would say one rule today and then tomorrow would be another rule. Fortunately for Anvil, our kind of like no-code workflow builder, it's very quick to mm-hmm. make these edits live. Um, <laughs> but that also meant you were making edits live, right. not not <laughs> not going through a t- uh, you know like a testing process. But you know we 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 built a lot of guardrails, so you can make changes, you can make um, label changes and stuff like that without having to worry about taking down the application um, and people that were filling it out midstream, they would get those updates. And then it would automatically, you know, check that they filled out this thing wrong. We saw a lot of people were filling out certain fields incorrectly. We added a validation. Immediately, those people, even the ones that were midstream filling it out, were, you know, we were validating the data to to make sure that it met this new requirement. Um, and, And to your point earlier about, banks ghosting you and and kind of like making it hard to to apply for the PPP. We're, we're actually really proud of the work we've done with Sunrise. Um, they are a CDFI and a B Corp, and they were one of the few banks in America that opened up their application to everyone. Anyone could apply for a PPP loan through them. And I think, you know, I, I like to think that we were able to help a lot of small businesses that way. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Uh, so, this has been great. I love what I I I love everything you're talking about because I'm a big automation person and uh, like you mentioned like like a, a filling PDF API or PDF filling API like that spoke to me because I use HelloSign and mm-hmm. um, I really wanted to create a template for my insertion orders for for advertising on this show and I thought oh this will be great because I can be like oh fill in this or, like is it pre roll or mid roll is it um, how many episodes is it or whatever, but that's not really what the hello sign templates are for. Um, no. and I was like pretty bummed out about that. Cause I'm like, well, I still have to make the whole thing in word and upload it then. Like, I don't understand <laughs> unless the contract net, like doesn't change at all from person to person. That's what the mm-hmm. template is for. So, um, something like the PDF filling API would probably be very useful to me in hello sign. The PDF yeah, the PDF filling API or, or even the PDF generation API. You can yeah. send markdown. You can generate text uh, you're, and send you're markdown speaking my to language us. Now. <laughs> and 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 it'll fill it in and put it into a signature packet. And you know, 
Um, we got some other big ones coming down the pipeline, so keep your eyes open for those. But uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll wait till those uh, those are announced. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I'll definitely keep an eye on it. Now, moving into kind of the tail end of the show, uh, I like to ask about kind of tips for listeners, right? And so, um, if let's say I'm a small business owner and I'm like frustrated with the amount of paperwork that I have to do, maybe I work with some uh, some old school clients and things like that. What are some ways that I could start to um, digitize my process a little bit more? Yeah, um, I think the easiest one that in terms of understanding and like a lot of people have already kind of grasped onto this is, is use a e-signature platform. Um, you know, you don't need to meet a person in place and uh, in, in meet a person in real life to get a wet signature anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is just not how the world works. Um, you know, I've certainly worked with banks where they're like, uh, here, here's a PDF, print it out, sign it, scan it, upload it. And I saw a funny meme the other day, which is, you know, stop sending millennials PDFs to print. We don't own printers. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, If you want to sell to millennials, stop sending PDFs to them to, to print. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's a really basic one. Um, I think a lot of things with PDFs, if you boil it down, the, the, the goal of a PDF is really to do two things. It is, uh, I'm specifically talking about PDF forms. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to gather information and then it's to attest that the information is correct or some kind of certification, right? That's what a signature is. So we have e-signatures for the, for the latter part, but like for the first part, uh, how do you gather that information? Um, you know, there's lots of online form services out there. Um, you know, there's like Typeform, uh, Wufoo. There's all these form services out there. You can gather information. They'll, they'll provide it to you in a clean format. Um, Anvil's unique play here is really to, to kind of bridge the gap from the PDF to the future. You know, at some point, if you decide, or if the if the government decides you don't need to fill out a W nine anymore, you can just send the raw data to the government. Great, like uh, just stop generating the PDFs. You can still ha- use our online form. Um, but today, the reality is, you still need that PDF and you still need that that like signature. Mm-hmm. So, um, Anvil is really trying to bridge that gap between the old and the new. Gotcha, gotcha. That's that's uh, that's really. I mean. If somebody sends me a PDF and says print it out, I'm like, there's an app. It's called PDF Expert. And you can just sign a PDF right on your iPad or whatever. Like it's a, or yeah. in preview. Uh, what am I even talking about? Like a separate app. Like preview does the same thing. Um Oh man, but but preview, I think even like that's that's what I thought, right? Like yeah. the back in the mortgage days when I was doing that mortgage, I didn't have a printer and I was like, oh, I'll just fill it out in preview. It'll be fine. Like 35 minutes later, I'm still trying to like drag and click and resize boxes. And oh, it's just, it was yeah, yeah. so painful. For um, sure. Filling out the entire form in any of these is like, is sucky. But if you just need yeah. to sign something, um, which uh, now that we, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> we actually have a free e-signature service on our website. I was just, um, I was just looking at that actually, as you were speaking. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, self uh, shameless plug here, but <laughs> if you need a document signed, um, you can upload the document to our Anvil website. It's useanvil.com/slash/etch/free, and then you can have up to two signers 
sign that document. And these are signatures that, you know, we've gone through all of the PDF specification to make sure it's encrypted and like actually cryptographically signed. Um, they are real signatures. Um, since this is a freeze tool, there's obviously some limitations, but one of the biggest ones is uh, just that the form needs to be filled out except for the signature mm-hmm. field or the the um, the the signature date fields. So that's the that's the limitation. Gotcha. This episode is brought to you by MindSize. Look, it's super important for stores to have an online presence these days. If customers can't buy online, they might not buy at all. And while doing e-commerce fast has gotten easier, doing e-commerce right still has its considerable challenges. That's where MindSize comes in. They are a full-service digital agency that focuses on WordPress and WooCommerce development. But that's not all. They work with Shopify, BigCommerce, and more. And they'll work with you to create the perfect strategy and website for your business. Already have an e-commerce site and want to make sure it's up and running in tip-top shape? Their flat rate site audit is exactly what you need. Over the course of two weeks, they'll dive into every aspect of your site and deliver a prioritized list of actionable recommendations to make your site even better. That means more sales and engagement for you and your store. Or if you're a freelancer or agency who feels in over your head with an e-commerce build, their agency support plan is built specifically for you. There were a few times in my career where I really could have used that. They'll take a high-stress situation and help you relax while still delivering for your client. So check out MindSize over at MindSize.com today. They will help you make more money, whether you need an e-commerce store, whether you need to improve your current e-commerce store, or if you build e-commerce stores for others. That's MindSize.com, M-I-N-D-S-I-Z-E.com. Thanks so much to MindSize for supporting the show. So actually, interesting question here as we wrap up before I ask you my big question, uh, which is, um, do you check to make sure the form is filled out? Like, do you look at like blank lines or whatever? Or are you basically just assuming the form is filled out? For the Etch Free tool, yeah. uh, we just assume the form okay. is filled out. Um, that's That's on the user who's uploading it, mm-hmm. but... I mean, that's an interesting, that's a whole nother topic. I feel like it's like, yeah, that's, how do we <laughs> that's, use machine yeah. vision to, to parse forms? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of why I asked. This is like, this is, this is a fun conversation for me because it feels like where like the academic actually meets like the real world, right? Like, cause some questions like in computer science are just like, like, how do you solve the Dutch national flag problem? And I'm like, this is a purely academic question. I never have to do that in real life. But like, yeah. like determining if a if a blank space on a PDF is uh, a blank space because it needs to be filled out or because it's just spacing, pretty interesting. Yeah, and then uh, one step further that we a lot of things we've been thinking about is like, how do we automatically label that space? How do we yeah. create? Like, how do we know what is the best label to show in our web form for the field information that's supposed to go into that blank and you could say, oh, just you know, take the five words ahead of it and put it in, but that doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're often like trying to shorten labels and shorten, and 
put it in context. So in a lot of ways, and this is kind of like our second investor, Gradient Ventures, they were very excited about this, which is as we help people build out these workflows, they're also helping us tag these PDFs. And now we're creating structure mm-hmm. around information gathering. And that information can then be used to make it easier, faster to build these new workflows going down the line. Um, so I think that's really, really powerful. And, you know, hopefully one day we'll be there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, one of the other things that we'll touch on in the member episode is uh, is how gathering data can help like that. Because I have some experience with my master's, deg- my master's thesis and, and all that stuff. So we'll talk about that more. But before we get into that, uh, I do need to ask you my favorite question, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? <laughs> Um, trade secrets, maybe not so much a trade secret, but maybe more of a life advice, I guess. <laughs> um, I think a common theme, even, even in our conversation today and, and just the company is listen. Um, you know, I think listening and experiencing from other, from other people, um, is important, especially as you are doing product design, as you're thinking about what to build. Um, one thing that I always like to to tell people who are, or ask people when they're looking to work at a startup is, you know, have you worked at a startup? You know, and if you have, what do you like about working at a startup? And if you haven't, like, what do you think working at a startup is like? <laughs> and And so the life advice there really is like, if you're interested in it, go work at a startup, go find a startup and learn and listen and watch to what's happening around you uh, before you you jump in to your own. Um, I think that just is a very, it kind of sets you up to like know where things can go really wrong or where things can go really right. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have a, a couple of startups under my belt before starting Anvil that where I really got to see the founders um, and how they led and how the company was run. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I that's fantastic advice. Um, I got kind of the opposite advice as I was leaving college. Some somebody told me, uh, get a job at like a, uh, a like get a real world job or a real job, quote unquote, <laughs> um, and like learn how they do things there, and then take that information in your startup. But I think that the general idea is, uh, be open to learning from others, right? Um, I think that's yeah, really important. Absolutely. So, and maybe this is one. This is a, another piece for your members only part of the yeah. podcast. But we can talk a little bit about uh, West Coast mentality, East Coast, uh, or Middle of America mentality. I grew up in Michigan, so Middle of America. Um, but uh, let's let's save that for your members. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, yeah. So, if you are interested in uh, what's turning out to be a, a very interesting members only segment. Uh, again, you can sign up over at buildsomething.club for five bucks a month. You get lots of awesome stuff and you get to support the show. Um, so yeah, I'd really appreciate that. Uh, Mangit, thanks so much for um, for joining me today. Where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, um, you can find us at www.useanvil.com. That's U-S-E-A-N-V-I-L.com. And, you know, we, we recently launched a new rebrand, so I love our new website. Um, please give us feedback, whether you like it or not, and we'll, we'll take that into account. It's really nice. I like it a lot. I love the, like, paper motif, and I love, uh, I feel like <laughs> for a while, websites got very, 
lots of colors and crowded and things like that. And me too, but I'm trying to swing back the other way, just like lots of white the, space. The the paper motif runs very deep in our new website. <laughs> um, from the CMYK color scheme to like paper cutouts to the way the navigation bar is like pushing paper down and then pulling it back up. So yeah, I would say go play with it and, and see see what you think. Yeah, <laughs> super cool. Awesome. Well, I will link to that and everything that we talked about over in the show notes at howibuilt.it slash 212. That's howibuilt.it slash 212. Thanks so much to this episode's sponsors, Text Expander, Restrict Content Pro, and Mind Size. Uh, Mangit, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure being here. And thanks to everybody listening. Until next time, get out there and build something. Build something.